Welcome back to Just James Horror Views. I'm your host, Just James, and this is episode number 12. Welcome back, everyone. Just James Horror Views. Today, we are going to be talking about Blair Witch 3, a 2016 film, the third part of our three-part series. We've already talked about Blair Witch 1 and 2, who these films are not named Blair Witch 1, 2, and 3. As a matter of fact, this one is just called Blair Witch. Not Blair Witch, the continuation. Not Blair Witch 3, just Blair Witch. But I will say with these films, just like before, you could watch any of them by themselves, and it's going to be an enjoyable film as far as you, you don't have to see the other films um, to enjoy these independently. So this film is no different. It does have callbacks to all the others, of course. If you've seen the other two, you're going to enjoy this third one a lot more. The third film is a combination of the two. It, it's not... It, it is a found footage film. It's completely found footage. But the way that it's recorded is a little more cinematic uh, like the second film was. So I'll say that. All right, so Blair Witch came out in 2016. It was directed by Adam Wingard. Now, who's Adam Wingard? I had to look him up. Uh, he had his first film at age 19. He is a horror director. He's done a bunch of other stuff that I've really enjoyed. Uh, he had shorts in VHS 1 and 2. And funny enough, both of them involve houses and ghosts and tapes. And I, I believe he also stars in both of those, but I don't know which character. But I know which VHS I liked both the series, so just check him out. You can look him up. He did the ABCs of Death, uh, the movie The Guest, Death Note, and also You're Next, and one of my personal favorites, Godzilla vs. Kong. It wasn't that great of a movie because everyone just has so much love for those two characters, but it was cool just to see another movie with those two in it, Godzilla vs. Kong. And he had the big tail sword thing that was super cool that he used to block the inner the radiation but anyway i'm getting sidetracked but you know i just come on man sci-fi it's it's all part of the same we're, we're all under the same umbrella we all can enjoy this stuff all right so back to blair witch it was written by simon barrett who worked on a lot of the same films as wingard but a notable one that i'm gonna have to check out that i didn't know existed frankenfish was a made for tv film i don't know sounds awesome gonna have to check it out now some of the stars in this movie I didn't recognize anyone, so I don't recognize them from back then being in anything else, and I don't recognize them today in 2023 and being in any other films, but actor who plays James, he was Jimmy in The Walking Dead. I don't know who that is, but he was Jimmy in The Walking Dead. I haven't seen any of the series. You know, I know people are going to be like, what, I can't believe you haven't seen The Walking Dead. I don't know, man. A lot of times these TV series, especially if they start doing really good and I hate to be like, well, if something's commercial, it can't be good, because that's not true. Just because something has a lot of money thrown at it doesn't mean it can't still be a good story. But it starts to get real dramatic and really soap opera-ish. You know, just as soon as they get out of one situation, they get into another. So I take that back. I watched the whole first season, and then that was the last time I watched any of it. So I'm sure it's great. Maybe I'll check it out. Let me know if there's a certain season or... Do I need to read the, the comics or, or whatever? Just let me know in the comments. Anyway, he played Jimmy. The next person is Callie Hernandez, and she plays Lisa, I believe. She was Upworth in Alien Covenant, so that's a banger. And she also played a space babe in Machete Kills. And you have to say it like that, Machete, all right? Because 
Machete Kills doesn't sound as cool. And come on, it's got Danny Trejo in it, so show show a little respect, right? Um, Corbin Reed, who plays Ashley, was in How to Get Away with Murder. That was another TV series. I don't remember when it came out, but you know, it's also horror related. It's about murder, so she was in that. And Valerie Curry, who plays Talia, she was in she was Charlotte in the Twilight series. I don't know which one. But whichever one she appears in, if, if you've ever read that, I'm not going to hate on it. Like, you know, a lot of people will. But, um, hey, we all like what we like. I'm a vampire story, man. I'm sure it's great. But I never saw it. But she plays Charlotte in that. She was also in a series with Kevin Bacon in it called The Following. And I have never, and shame on me for not knowing, because I saw a reel on Instagram the other day with a scene from The Following. And this show looks freaking awesome. Now, I could be wrong. I could be judging it all wrong. It might fall under the same uh, folly as The Walking Dead. Like, maybe it became too commercial or whatever. But, man, that one little clip, it looked really cool. So if you've seen that, let me know if it's worth it, if I need to definitely take a look at that series. But it was pretty intense in that one scene that I saw. The Oh, she was also Dot in The Tick. So where are my 90s fans at? You know what The Tick is? He was a big blue superhero that... I guess he was a man in a tick outfit. I, 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 it's really hard to explain. So if you've never seen it, definitely Google episodes of the cartoon The Tick, which is what this 2016, it, I guess you call it live action because it, it used real people, I'm not sure, but it wasn't a cartoon. So in 2016 remake of The Tick, she starred as Dot in that. So you probably will uh, recognize her from that. So anyway, let's get into it, okay? Blair Witch 3. It starts off with your regular uh, opening screen, opening you know, uh, shot of just black with the words on it, and it says that all this footage was found. I don't remember where in the woods where all this stuff happens in 2014. So if you remember back, the other stuff was found like in the early 90s. I believe the second film was supposed to be around 2000, 2002, something like that. And so, again, it's going with that same, hey, this is found footage. This is something that really happened. Now, the jig is up at this point as far as whether or not people are trying to figure out in real life, you as the audience, if this is something that's really occurred, if there really is a Blair Witch. At this point in 2016, people know how to use the Internet and Google all this stuff, and there's a ton of videos, like I said, on YouTube where you can find out that this stuff isn't real. So, you know, I feel like that really hurt the third film, and the people that went to see it are just people who were fans of the other two. Anyway, we go to that, and then it cuts to a guy. His name's going to be James, and we find out that James is Heather's brother. Heather is the female character from the first film, the one who had the close-up and the crying shot with the snot and all the, you know, goes down the basement or whatever. So that's her. You find out that he was only four when she went missing. So I do like that they kind of tied it together, and it, it's this cyclical thing of coming back to the same family you know, I think they could have played with that a little more. Why were they targeted? You could have put something in there about how, you know, some of their ancestors were the ones that hung the witch or whatever, but but they didn't. Anyway, um, he's being filmed by uh, Lisa, who is making, who wants to make you, wants to make a documentary about him and him going back to find his sister and all that. Now she's doing it for a college project or something like that, and he's just willing to let her go with them and document everything. They have, of course, all this super nice, super fancy camera camera equipment. They got a drone, and I think drones were probably 2016. I don't know. How popular were drones back then? I don't remember. 
Anyway, they use it in this film. They also have these sweet earpiece camera slash microphone things that they wear. So that kind of gives us this first person view throughout the film. And something that this film does, and the first film did as well, uh, is they give you a reason for the cameras to be there. I saw an interview with, I can't remember who it was, but one of the recent movies that came out on Shudder where a guy plays a blogger who goes into this haunted house and he's got all these cameras. He said the challenge with these types of movies are you have to give a reason for the camera to be there. Because if not, you know, it's you're, you're going to take so much away from the audience already because they're like, well, why, why would this even be, you know, why would I have a camera here? Why would he be recording? How would he be recording all this and getting all these frame shots from just your average Joe with a camera? So this film, it, it, it puts all these cameras in everyone's hands. It puts them on your head, but how it's all spliced together, like they try to make it cinematic, but it ends up kind of falling short of it doesn't really look like found footage, and it also doesn't really look like, you know, polished cinematic footage. So it kind of fails on that point. And again, it's the third film. I mean, they're trying they're, they're trying their best. I still liked it, but it did have a lot of... I'm not going to sit here and act like it was just the, the perfect trilogy to ever exist, okay? so So we're sitting there with James and Lisa, and James has come across a video on the internet that he believes is Heather from the first film. She's running through the house. He's like, look, you can tell it's the house or whatever. And there's a quick flash of someone in a mirror as they're running up the stairs. So he rewinds the video and he freeze frames it. And he's like, I believe that this is my sister. I believe that this is Heather. And he wants to go back. He's like, there's a chance she's still out there. Now, again, this is supposed to be in 2014. So if all this happened back in, you know, in the late 90s, I mean, it's 14 years ago, she's not alive out in the woods. So weird that he would think she's still out there or unless he believes she's in some type of weird time paradox or whatever and he's going to be able to find her. But they never address that. He just has this one track mind of like, she's still out there. So he says that it could be her. And I will say this, they freeze frame this image and it is obviously not her, <laughs> especially if you especially if you watch all these films back to back. Now, you might not remember when the film came out because, you know, it was so long after the first one. But, yeah, it is doesn't even look like her. Doesn't the, it, yeah, it doesn't even look like her. It's just strange. So, anyway, they decide they're going to go in the woods and figure this out. Uh, James is going to take his best friend, Peter, and his girlfriend, Ashley. They get all their stuff together. They load up, and they're going to head out to the house of the person that uploaded the video. The guy that uploaded the video has the screen name Darknet666. They go to this dude's house. It's out in the woods, and it's uh, he lives in the same area of where these woods, where all this you know witch stuff takes place. So they go to his house. It's a shack. It is ransacked. I mean, the place just looks run. It's a shack. I, I don't know a better way to put it. It's a shack. Well, they go in. They're talking to the dude. He looks a little... Uh, Maybe not crazy, just he does look a little crazy, but he looks just I, I, I don't know what the, the theme they were trying to go with him because he looks like crazy and, and kind of dirty and like I really don't I don't know what they were trying to prove with this guy. Either way, they walk into the shack, he's out in the woods, and uh, as soon as they go in there, you see this huge uh, rebel flag on the wall, and James's best friend Peter is a black man. So as soon as he goes in and sees this, he's already had enough of this dude, right? Because this, it takes up a whole wall. Well, and on top of it, this guy's, you know, talking kind of crazy. Now, all these people are, 
around the same age. They're all college kids. So I guess I should say that because as I explain this, you might think that they're walking into this old, you know, beer bellied uh, hillbilly, whatever. But no, they're all college age kids. Lane is the guy's name, you find out, who has the screen name Darknet666, and his girlfriend is Talia. So he says, hey, I found these tapes out in the woods. I can take you there. And he asks if he can go with them. And he has a camera. He wants to record. He wants to get some type of evidence of this witch activity. So they go outside, and they talk about it. And, of course, Peter's like, no way. I don't want this, this, you know racist dude out here in the woods with us he's already kind of weird he lives way out here in the sticks he's gonna you know how do we know he's not gonna take us out there and kill us and james of course he has this you know singular one track thought of dude my sister's out there and since they're best friends peter ends up saying sure i'll go but you know begrudgingly he's gonna go and you know he's not gonna like this guy and this plays out throughout the film where peter and lane don't get along uh Peter second guesses everything Lane says, and he he's, you know, kind of a smartass with him throughout the whole film, you know, and understandably given, you know, what had taken place inside the house. So they drive out there to a, a parking lot somewhere in the woods, and as they're driving out there, Lane and his girlfriend Talia are in the truck, and they're blasting like this crazy doom metal stuff that's really, really loud, and then the other group is you know, just talking about whether or not it's a good idea to bring this guy with us, what they're going to expect, what they're going to see out there and all that. So they get, they get to the parking lot, they all get out of the vehicles and they're start talking about what they're going to do. And I guess this is kind of their way of introducing you to each of the characters, kind of the lore that's going to be, um, expected in this film and how it might differ from the first two films. This is, this is their feeling out portion of the film. So here at this point, we find out that Lane and Talia have all, they've grown up in that area. They've always lived in that area. Everyone that lives around there knows about the woods and that you don't go in there and about the Blair Witch, but some new theories that they throw out for one thing, they say that there was seven kids killed by Rustin Parr. If you remember, he's the one that killed all the kids um, that they talk about in the first film. But they said that there was eight kids and one got away. And I don't know if that's significant for any reason because I don't remember it coming up at any other time about why the one kid got away. So maybe they talked about that in the first film. I just didn't understand the reference. But throughout you, you know, all three films, it's always been referenced that seven kids were, were killed. They also start talking about how they were killed in the basement. And then this is where Lane, where you kind of get that his characters really researched all this. Cause he's, you know, he's like, well, there's some debate of whether or not the murders take place in the basement or the attic, you know, and that'll come into play later. But he's, he's discussing the different theories uh, th- that have come up over the years about all this stuff. And they talk again about Ellie, who is believed to be the Blair witch and that some kids went missing or something you know the the same story as the first ones that they thought that it was her and that she was a witch so they tied her to a tree and here's where it gets a little different and I will say this about these three films is it seems like each one changes something a little bit to where it can be a little bit confusing because first of all now apparently we have two houses we have Rustin Parr's house and then we have this murder house where I guess the witch murders people and if you remember from the second film they go to the foundation of Rustin Parr's house. 
and that's where the tree was growing up through the middle of it or whatever. However, in this film, they say that Rust, there's nothing left of Rustin Parr's house because it was burnt down after he was uh, executed for you know killing all the kids or whatever. So they said the, the witch house doesn't exist, and it's been searched for when they were searching for people, and they've been all over the forest, and no one's ever found it. So, yeah, there's these two different houses, and then, of course, we don't even know about Ellie being the witch until the second film, so they try to shine a little more light on that and they say you know she was tied to a tree and left to just die from exposure and then when they went back she had disappeared and that's when people in the town started disappearing eventually to where everyone that was still left ended up deserting the town because they believed it was cursed by the Blair Witch. Lane comes in he's like well I read this book back that was dated 1806 or who you know whatever and he says, no, they didn't just tie her to a tree and leave her to die. They actually tied her high up in a tree, and then they tied rocks to her limbs and left her there to die that way, essentially making a medieval rack out of a tree and rocks and rope, you know, and stretching her out or whatever. And that's how they left her to die. And that's how we get the image of that really elongated, creepy, spider-legged-looking witch that you've seen in all the uh, all the Google images and, and stuff like that. That's, that's where we get that image of the witch. But if you think back to the other films, I, I remember them saying that they tied her to the tree and then some kids would go up there and like throw rocks and torture and do all this other stuff. And uh, she wasn't she, she wasn't dying fast enough or something. So they hung her by the neck and tied rocks to the rope so that it would suspend her in the air. And that's how she died. I'm pretty sure that's what I remember them saying. So, again, there's all these conflicting stories. And maybe that's the point. Maybe it's supposed to be a lore where, you know, these stories were passed down from different generations and some things got forgotten, some things got made up and replaced with things that weren't actual facts. So, you know, I don't want to be too hard on it. So they find all this stuff out. They end up crossing some kind of creek. They share a story about a creek before they cross it about how there is a story of a mother who said she saw a hand come out of the creek and grab her daughter and drag her in. They all take off their shoes to cross this creek, and there's a, a scene that, as the audience, you're kind of taking note, where Lane and Talia look at each other, and she's asking him if he's sure that this is a good idea. Now, again, we don't trust Lane. Uh, the movie doesn't want you to trust Lane, and that's so when they share this information, we don't know what that's about. Are they going to do something to these people? Do they know something that these people don't? Obviously, they do. But what is it? Are they going to hurt them? Is the witch going to hurt them? What's going to happen? They cross the creek. And Peter's girlfriend, Ashley, ends up getting a huge gash on her foot, and they wrap a bandage around it. And this is where it kind of starts to, I guess this is where you're going to try to start building dread. You know, we got our first blood, so to say, at this creek that is supposed to be, you know, have a witch hand in it that drowns people. So first blood happens here, and they decide to move on, and they find the tree where the videotape was found. Lane says, this is where I found it. So it's this tree that's broken in half that has a bunch of... Uh, lightning damage to the side of it snapped in half it's got this huge charred bark on one side of it and lane says this is you know this is where i I found the tape or whatever so it ends up starting to get dark they want they go to camp out and fast forward a little bit that night they start hearing the classic blair witch noises they hear trees snapping they hear uh like coyote yells and all that and I think you can kind of hear some people talking and maybe some kid sounds in there it's really faint one thing this movie does try to do is take all the things that 
people like the most about the other two and squeeze them in here, even though they don't really fit. It feels very forced. So every time the camera cuts, there's this blurry uh, snap of the camera. And of course, it makes a weird like camera, you know, camera flashing sound. And you can see that there's images in those flashes. Um, there's images from the first Blair Witch film in these camera flashes when they're switching from different camera views, whether it's the headset or the handset. And it's really overdone. And by the end of the movie, you're so tired of these glitches and all this stuff. And the truth of it is you can't even tell what they are. You'd have to go back and freeze frame all of it. So I understand why they did it, but why they did it to such excess to me just kind of got in the way of a otherwise, you know, watchable film. So they're hearing all the trees snap and everything. They go out to check it out. Uh, they find out that Lane's missing. Talia says Lane went off to take a piss somewhere and he hasn't been back. They go to search for him. They end up finding him finally. He just says that he was out. He was trying to figure out what was making that noise. So I'm thinking, you know, this dude's got balls if he knows if he's scared of the witch just as much as everyone else. But yet he's out in the forest in the middle of the night trying to figure out, you know, what's crashing through all these trees and breaking everything up. Uh, Oddly enough, they don't really do anything else about it. They all just go to sleep, and they wake up the next morning, and we got stick people. We got stick people. They're hanging from the trees. There's a, you know, a handful of them kind of hanging in different spots around the campsite. And another thing that's weird is they notice that it's 2 p.m., so they've slept all the way up until 2 p.m. Now, if you've ever been hiking or camping out in the woods, uh, it is nearly impossible unless you just got super smashed the night before to sleep until 2 p.m. Just because you're sleeping outside, noises are different, the, the, the sun coming in your tent and all that kind of stuff. So they acknowledge that this is weird, but they're more freaked out by all the stick people. So everyone starts getting nervous. They decide to abandon the whole thing. Now, of course, James doesn't want to. He's out here looking for his sister. He's wanting to find out what's going on. This is the first evidence of, you know, maybe him potentially getting closer to her. And now everybody wants to bail. So he ends up giving in to, to all the people that came with him. And he's like, all right, we'll, we'll just get out of here. They start hiking out. And there's a scene where someone notices Lane stops to tie a shoe or whatever. And someone notices it in his backpack. He's got this huge wad of twine. They pull it out. They're talking about the twine. And it looks just like the same twine that uh, was used to tie up all these stick people. Now, he makes a valid point that rope is rope. And it all just looks like that. But they also put together that the camera he uses uses uh, the same like little cassettes that he found that he said he found the the Blair Witch footage on that he had posted online. So they put all this together. And, and again, just like the other movies, everyone starts acting a little strange. People are real quick to anger. Um, they're not making a whole lot of sense. They're not real logical with the decisions they make. And there's this huge fight. And they end up kicking Lane and Talia out of the group. They're like, hey, you know, you, you came out here. You screwed up. He, he, did it, he finally admitted that he lied about all this stuff and that he just wanted to come out here and have strength in numbers to try to see if he could see anything. Because in his mind, he said, hey, this is what you guys wanted, too. We both had the same mission, just different reasons for being out here. Well, they've had enough, and Peter literally runs this guy off, like chases him down, telling him he's going to you know, beat his ass if he doesn't just take off. So... They they separate, and they all decide to just go back to the vehicles and get out of there. Just like the other films, they walk around for a couple of hours, and it's starting to get dark, and they end up coming back to their same campsite. They recognize all the things that are, you know, from, from camping the night before, 
and they all start getting mad at each other and they just decide, screw it, we're going to camp here for the night. We really don't have any other options. Now, one thing they did do to kind of set the vastness of this forest is they had a scene where they put the drone all the way up in there. The drone is useless in this movie. Could have done without it. I don't know if they were just trying to flex some new tech or something, but they fly the drone up and it shows a 360 view of this forest and it is endless. So that kind of helped, you know, set the atmosphere of, of where they're at and what's going on. They decide to camp out for the night. They set up their tent and really... To me, this is where the whole, this is where everything starts happening. Okay. We're ab- about 45 minutes into the movie at this point. Now, usually, if you're going to wait an hour to get into the movie, there's some kind of slow, simmering build. There's this, you know, dread that's being put in front of you that's just, you know, adding weight as time goes on. But for whatever reason, it just didn't happen in this film. I don't know if it was the, the, the problem, you know, I felt like the actors did a better job in this film than the second film. But I, I don't, I think maybe it's the dialogue. I, I said that about the second film. The dialogue was just really strange. You know, the, the writer, you know, of course, I'm not a writer, so he's a better job than me. But, you know, as a someone in the audience just watching, it just didn't work for me. So in this film, I don't know what the issue was. I mean, all the elements were there. Maybe it's, you know, burned out from the other two or, you know, already expecting things, and then when you don't get what you expected, it's kind of a letdown. I don't know. But at about 45 minutes, this thing starts cranking up, and it starts to become a better movie. I'd say the last 30 minutes of this movie was the best part of the whole movie. It could have been the whole movie, really. The, the whole setup up to it was just, I don't know, just didn't work. So they set up their camp. Peter goes to check on Ashley. She's her foot. She's been wincing through the whole movie since she had that huge gash on her foot. He, he takes the bandage off, and he's looking at it. And it starts oozing and there's blood coming out of it. And then all of a sudden, something like pushes out. So her skin is being pushed from the inside. And it's a pretty, you know, cringy moment. We were like, oh, shit, what is that? And as cringy as it is and as cool as it is, I'm thinking, is this witchery? You know? Or is this something from the creek? She just got some kind of weird bacteria. Is this cabin fever? You know, she's just got some kind of sickness or there's some kind of parasite coming out of her. Where, you know, is the witch just a parasite? You know, what in the world is going on here? And I will say the second movie did mention something about how they thought maybe there was a theory that all this was somehow related to a fungus or a bacteria or something out there. So I don't know if they were just kind of throwing back to that. But it's awkward and it doesn't work. It doesn't add to the... To the, I want the witchiness. That's what freaks me out in these films is the witch. Not weird parasite foot bursters alien style. Anyway, she's sick. She kind of has that same uh, dreamy talk that the woman who was possessed in the second film has. So you're starting to think like, oh, okay, is this going to be our witch in this film? Is this what's going on? So Peter comes out, talks to James, says, hey, she looks pretty rough. James goes in and checks on her. And pretty much says, hey, we've got to get her to a hospital tomorrow. She's got a fever. Um, undoubtedly, she's got some type of infection, and she just she needs to go to the hospital. Well, as they're talking about all this, Peter runs out to get some firewood. James doesn't want him to, obviously, because of everything weird that's happening, but Peter re- reassures him, hey, I got my headpiece on. Oh, the earpieces have GPS. He also has, uh, they have walkie-talkies with him so he's like hey i got all my stuff it'll be cool i'm just going right over here to get wood well as he wanders even just a little ways off he starts hearing all the snaps and cracks in the wood his flashlight starts dying 
his walkie-talkie starts making weird noises. We get the coyote howls, and a, a tree or a branch or something falls on him, and he gets stuck under there. Well, I, as he's stuck under there, he ends up turning his light off because he can hear something, you know, lurking in the woods. Something's lurching around, and he gets freaked out and turns it off. He hears this weird screech on his radio, and you just kind of see his he gets snatched up by something, and he's gone. Peter goes to look for him because he hears him screaming. You can hear Peter calling out for him uh, while he's under the tree, but by the time Peter gets to him, he's gone. I'm sorry, by the time James gets to Peter, Peter is gone. There is no Peter. He's disappeared. The only trace of him is his walkie-talkie. So he gets that, goes back to the camp, and decides to tell Lisa about it. Hey, James, you know uh, Peter's gone. I have no idea where you know where he is. I heard him screaming. That had to be him. We need to figure something out. Well, while they're talking about this, Lane and Talia uh, bust out of the woods. Right? They're you know they have a campsite, so it's kind of cleared out. But they come like at the tree line. You can see them. They're there in the bushes, and they call out to them. And this, to me, is one of the best. It's kind of the where everything shifts for me. And this scene to me was super creepy and it you know it gives you the the chicken skin and gives you the heebie-jeebies but again it fell flat for some reason i have no idea why because it's a really good scene because here's what happens they bust out of the woods and they look like beat up shit they got mud and dirt all over them their hair's all matted you know they're they look terrified they look hungry and you're like what in the world is going on so Lane calls out to him because he's telling Talia, like, don't approach him. They're not real. They're not real. So now you get the idea that they've been hallucinating as well, along with this other group. And James and Lisa can't figure out why they're acting so weird. So Lane says, when's the last time you guys saw us? And Lisa says, well, we saw you earlier this morning. And then Lane gives a line that, that makes your hair stand up. He says, we haven't seen you guys in five or six days. And not only has it been five or six days, but we haven't seen the sun in those days either. And so, you know, it if they would have done stuff like this, I, I think, I don't know, maybe maybe they wanted to save it for the middle of the film. I don't know. But it for me, it's a really good scene to kind of let you know that, okay, shit has officially hit the fan. Even though we've got people missing and sick and, you know, all this other stuff, this is the first really creepy, witchy thing that's happened to where you know they're now under the spell of the Blair Witch. Anyway, he ends up talking to him for a little while, and uh, Talia is starving, and Ashley tries to, or I'm sorry, Lisa tries to give her some food, and Lane is begging her not to go get the food because he's pretty much saying, hey, they're marked by the witch, they're going to die, we don't have to die, let the witch take them. Well, Talia's starving, so she takes the food and ends up staying with the group. Lane runs off saying, she's not going to get me, I'm not going to die out here, blah, 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 whatever. So he goes off. Talia is, you know, uh, she's just out of it. She's succumbed to the conditions of the woods and all this. She's starving to death. So they feed her, they give her a tent, and they decide to just sleep it off for the night because there's really nothing else they can do. Even though, remember, Peter is gone in the woods now. It's, I don't, I don't want to say they kind of blow past it, but they're like, well, he's gone, maybe he'll come back, who knows. So they go to sleep, and they wake up the next morning, Lisa's alarm's going off, and she says, you know, again, it's, oh, that's weird. What's weird? Well, my alarm says 7 a.m., but the sun's not out. So now they've fallen into the whole no more sunlight. It's just darkness from here on out. They get outside their tent, and holy shit, 
stick people. And not just a couple of stick people like they had in the beginning of the film. I'm talking there are probably 50, 60 stick people all around the forest. And they're all different sizes. There's one that's, I mean, it's like the size of a of a bedroom wall or something. Then a bunch of little ones, and they're just everywhere. And again, remember, it's still dark. So the sun's not out. So they're looking at all this. They're freaking out. And Talia's the worst. She is having an absolute panic attack. She walks over to one of them and picks it up. And she realizes it has, because she has a purple or blue hair or something like that, she realizes that it's tied together with her hair. And so she starts breaking down. Well, Ashley, she limps out of her tent and sees all this, and she decides that it's Talia's fault. So she goes and starts berating Talia about how this is your fault. You guys did this. You brought us here. What in the world is going on? And while they're fighting, she takes the, the witch stick person from Talia and she snaps it in half and dude when she snaps that thing in half Talia's body just folds in half and you hear the crack and the crunch and her legs are all bent up behind her head and you know like a so essentially like a voodoo doll but again like I said this is where everything kind of ramps up we already had the chicken skin from earlier and now we got this girl's broken in half and one of the cameras falls so it's like right in front of her face and you do kind of get uh, lost in the different camera views like as I'm seeing I'm like wait a minute whose camera is this and again they're kind of framed shots I'm like if this is on the side of someone's head this is not what this is going to look like and with a handheld you know they only use that when they're running so it kind of mimics the first film when they're running through the forest you have that down camera shot of just like their feet you know or the the tree the tree bottoms and stuff in the trail as they're running this is also a part where they start running through the woods a lot they hear a snap in the uh they, they hear a branch snap or they'll, something will happen and they'll take off running. And they just keep doing this. Now, in the first film, it was really effective because it was there was nothing really going on. And then all of a sudden, when something did, they would take off running. But they only did it, you know, once or twice. And that was it. Everybody really liked that part, I'm assuming, because they crammed it in four or five times in this film to where it just got a little ridiculous. Like, where are they running to? You know, why, why are you running? <laughs> Where are you going? You've already you've already ran two or three different times. You're not getting anywhere. Why do you guys continue to run? So she snaps in half, and this is when the group, it's the main group, has their official freakout. So they take off running through the woods. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This is where the tents get sucked up into the air. So, you know, branches are snapping all around them. All this crazy sounds are going on. There's this real loud, like, thundering uh, kind of just vibrating noise into the woods and then as they're freaking out all of a sudden their tents just start getting like sucked up into the air real you know just really fast and this was in the commercials this was definitely one of those movies where all the best parts were in the commercials so you kind of spend the whole film just waiting on those parts and then when they come they're not as you know dramatic as you would hope because the build-up to them was just odd plus you already knew they were going to happen so you're just waiting for it and then when it does you're let down because you already knew it was going to happen so I think they kind of sold themselves out in the uh, previews for this movie, for sure. I think they should have left some of that out because it was a really this this is when things are getting really tense. And then when that you know tent just shoots up in the air, it's it's cool. And they take off running, and of course they take off running, get separated, and Ashley gets separated from the group. Remember, she's got this huge gash on her foot. She ends up falling somewhere, and she pulls up her pant leg, and the gash has gone up her leg, and she ends up picking at it, and it's oozing this nasty infected pus and she pulls something out of it and I have no idea 
what in the hell she pulls out of it. I mean, it kind of looks like a bug, but it also kind of looks like a tree branch. I, I don't know what it's supposed to be. It also, again, it doesn't really add anything to the film. And this is also where she dies. So she she sees the drone in a tree and decides, I'm going to climb up and get the drone. Now, again, remember all the other weird stuff? She just broke a lady in half by breaking a stick. Why the fuck is she climbing a tree? I don't know. But this is just kind of how they, you know, get rid of this character. She climbs a tree. She's up there. And this weird witchy hand reaches down and slaps her hand, makes her fall. You hear a crunch. And then as soon as she hits the ground and crunch, then her body just gets snatched out of the frame. So it is cool, but it's also very out of place. All right, now we go back to James and Lisa. They're taking off. They're running. It's storming at this point. Lots of lightning and, and rain and thunder sounds. And all of a sudden, they come upon the witch murder house. Remember, it's not Rustin Parr's house. It's this other house, I guess. The witch murder house. And he starts to hear Heather screaming inside. So, of course, he, James is all in. He goes, he's like, we got to go in there. And this is probably one of the best, as far as dramatic and good acting scenes, um, all this stuff is just taking place. And it's just extremely loud, uh, the the... The sounds and everything are very loud. The thunderstorm and all that. They've come upon this house. It's raining heavy, so they're dirty. They're, you know, the, the rain's all over them. They're just saturated. And James sees his house and hears his sister screaming and wants to go inside. And Lisa, and this is the best acting part where I think Lisa does the best job. She's begging him not to go inside. And you see her just kind of lose all this hope. She understands now that he is under whatever this spell of the witch is, and he has no way to think rationally. And she is just begging and pleading with him not to go in there and telling him, it's not real, it's not, there's no way your sister is still alive. And it's a callback also to something earlier in the film to where, you know, she's just doing this for, to make a documentary and not so much because she cares. So I... Also, this is supposed to kind of be like, oh, well, the truth is out. You never really believed my sister was out here. You were just doing this for you. But it's a really dramatic scene. You feel bad for her because you know she's not just going to hang outside while he runs in there. And you know if she goes in there, they're both going to die. So he ends up running in there. He starts looking around, trying to figure out where the sound's coming from. It, the movie sticks with Lisa for a minute while all this crazy stuff's going on out in the woods her camera's swinging around and she catches a glimpse and I don't know if this is our first glimpse but our first decent glimpse at the weird spider-legged you know pale-fleshed witch figure that's out in the woods so she sees that and bolts inside the house because she's not about to stay out there with this creepy ass witch so she goes inside she can hear him screaming Uh, she's screaming there's you know the once you get inside there, there's doors everywhere. It's like a maze. And, of course, doors are slamming behind them as they go in. They're getting disoriented. She winds up in the basement. And she sees someone in the corner of the basement. So you're like, you know, fucking don't go in there, right? The guy's in the corner. You know that's going to be you. So you wait for the camera to fall, just like in the first film. And it doesn't. The person in the corner turns around. And holy shit, it's Lane. And what is Lane doing? He's got his hair is all grown out like you know, some kind of castaway. He's got this big, huge beard, and he looks at her, and he's, of course, he looks absolutely nuts, and like he's just lost his mind. And he tells her, "You look just the way I remember you." So again, he's got this full beard, so you you just assume he's been in this weird murder house for months now, for him to grow that beard. And as soon as he sees her, he starts attacking her and ends up throwing her in some kind of weird, 
basement cellar looking thing. But his whole reason for doing this is you find out that he is under the possession of the witch, but he's following the orders of the witch. So he says, he, he makes a mention about Rustin Parr had it right. All you got to do to survive is do what the witch tells you. So this shines a little bit of light on, you know, how the witch works, I guess, as far as making other people do stuff for her and keeping people alive and how she chooses who to kill and all that. So he throws her in there, assumingly to be sacrificed to the witch. And she sees that this thing has a tunnel through the ground to get out of there. So she starts, I, I know, right? <laughs> weird, I don't know why, but there's a dirt tunnel in this hole that she's in. And she's assuming that it has to go outside. So she starts crawling through. There's another great scene in this thing because as she's crawling through and you're getting this first person, she's throwing her hand held in front of her. And that's how you get the shot back on her crawling through this tunnel. And she gets stuck. Very claustrophobic. You're in this really tight, tight dirt tunnel. There's water running through it a little bit. So it's a really tense scene of her trying to escape this tunnel and when she gets stuck she has to use these breathing exercises to get out it gets a little cheesy but i understand why they did it because it's a call back to something that james did with her earlier in the film you can figure it out yourself she ends up getting out to the other side or she comes to the end of the tunnel and it's uh it's uh walled off with pieces of wood and so you're like shit she's come all the way to the end of this thing and they're, you know, it's just blocked off. She's just trapped and you can hear something's coming down the tunnel after her. she ends up punching through that thing, getting out, moving a dresser in front of it. And right before she gets a dresser in front of it, big old weird spider leg, witch hand comes out and tries to grab her. So she shuts out the witch and she, but she's still in this house. And now she tries to leave the room and Lane comes crashing in there and he's trying to, I don't know, he's yelling something or whatever. Well, she has this big-ass knife. She ends up stabbing him, and he dies. He he gets killed by her. He dies. It's not really that dramatic, but she takes off running. And again, the chaos of this whole scenario here is all the lightning that keeps flashing through the house. It's raining. It's wet. It's super loud. They do a really good job of building the atmosphere and the tone here at the very end. Now, again, why they didn't do that through the rest of the movie, I don't know. Maybe because they wanted to make the last 30 minutes a little more... Uh, impactful than the rest of the film I don't know but if the rest of the film was like the last 30 minutes it would have been a kick-ass film since they didn't it was just a watchable film and I still liked it because of the franchise or whatever so she starts running through the house and this is where we get this really cool callback to the very 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 beginning of the movie she runs up the stairs with the handheld and catches a glimpse of herself in the mirror and now we know that the film that he got offline at the very beginning was actually her own film of her running through that house, which I thought was very cool. Cause I, I haven't seen stuff like that, um, to play that out and, and make it, you know, good is, uh, it's, it's not easy to do, but they managed to do it. They did something very similar on the house of haunted Hill series. If you've seen that on Netflix where they did a cool call back and you were just like, what? Holy shit. Like at first you feel cheated, but then you're like, that's pretty cool. Good idea. It was done well anyway. So she runs through all these doors, trying to find the way out. She opens the door and she realizes, oh shit, I'm in the attic. So she's in the attic. She goes to turn around to leave and James busts in and sees her and she shuts the door behind him because she's being chased by the witch. You know, remember the witch was coming through the tunnel. So by now the witch is busted out and they see that the door, they're trying to, she's trying to get the door open. So James has this 
bright idea of he tell he goes in the corner and just stands and she's like, What are you doing? And he's like, She she only takes sacrifices and if you don't look at her, she can't hurt you. She you, you can't be killed. Now, I understand where he's getting all that, but I guess I just didn't really clue into all that throughout the movie. It wasn't made super apparent. So when he brings it up, you know, it it ruins the moment for me because I'm gonna have to think back like, wait, what the hell is he talking about? So anyway, they go they both go to a corner. The door busts open, and you can hear that the witch is in the room. So, you know, the hair standing up on the back of my neck. They're freaking out. Lisa's character does a really good job acting this scene out. James doesn't do as good a job. Sorry, man. You just didn't. But he's in the corner, and he's, you know, trying to coach her through everything. You know, hey, we're going to be okay. Just don't look. Don't look at her. Whatever. Well, as he's doing this, and she's starting to calm down, he just says his sister's name. He says, Heather, is that you? And uh, Lisa freezes. And she goes, who are you talking to? Well, as she's saying that, James turns around. And then whoosh, you get that quick grab, camera smash, whatever. The witch gets him. She's, of course, freaking out because now you know she knows that he's gone. And she's the last one left in the house. She comes up with a genius idea. How can I look to see if James is still there without actually turning around and looking at the witch? And two, you also kind of think, like, how are they going to get out of here? You know, she's going to have to turn around at some point. Otherwise, she'll just be standing in a corner until she starves to death, I guess. So she uses her handheld and flips the, you know, the viewfinder part around so she can see what the camera is seeing behind her. So when she does that, you see the empty corner where James used to be. And also you get a flash of the witch, which is a really good shot of her as she kind of slinks out of the view of the camera. So... Uh, Lisa decides she's going to use this to walk backwards out of the house. And she makes her way through the room and gets to the door and opens it. And she's about to go down some stairs. And she hears James saying that he's so sorry or something like that. She turns to see him and, of course, gets smashed by the witch. And she dies. And that's the that's the end of the film is just the camera laying on its side. And it ends the same way the first the first film did. So... You know, he went back looking for his sister, ends up getting killed the exact same way. And that's the end of the film. Oh, there is a part, I'm sorry, before James died that I wanted to bring up where he's looking into the camera and he's saying how he's so sorry and this is all his fault and it's his fault that everyone's dead and all this. Now, this is an obvious callback to the first film when Heather does this. And she's looking into the camera and apologizing once they real once she realizes that they're lost and that all this bad stuff's going to happen and that they're going to die out there. And it worked really good in the first film, even though a lot of people made fun of it. I thought it was a cool scene. When they tried to do it in this one, it just it just wasn't as good. I don't. It's almost like the camera was too good, the camera quality and how it was right in his face. You know, you had to be a really good act. You know, for her, it was just like half of her face, but for him, it was a full frame shot of his head. And he's just saying he's sorry, and he's oh, I'm so sorry it all's happened, and it's all my fault or whatever. And you know, yeah, it's it's all your fault, you know, Dick. So I don't know. It just it it fell flat. I understand the callback, but it fell flat for me. So that is the end of Blair Witch, which is Blair Witch Three, and the end of our three part series of Blair Witch. So let me know. Are you a fan? Do you love these films? Do you hate these films? Let me know in the comments below. Like, share, subscribe, do all that cool stuff. This is Just James Horror Reviews. I'm your host, Just James. 